0: Alright, yeah, I'm glad to share, I'm glad to be in a series, I'm glad I don't have to talk about circumcision. <laughs> that is next week. Um, so you know that sinking feeling you get when you first realize you've forgotten something? You know that, do you know what I'm talking about? Um, ranging from things that may be trivial, but oh darn, I forgot. Um, you know, you're, you're on your way to work and you left something at home you need, or vice versa, or whatever, but... Um, all the way up to things like, you know, you forget something major, you forget an anniversary or a birthday or something, you know, that, that really comes with sort of personal, individual consequences. Um, I, uh, I get that feeling, I'm glad that we record these, I hope my sister's not listening, if you are, please be quiet, or, or turn it off for a minute here, Lori, um, but, but I get that feeling when I get like a, a voicemail from my sister, right, uh, that, that sense of like, oh no, Today was mom's birthday and I forgot. Or, oh no, like I was supposed to call about this and I didn't do it. Um, that sinking feeling of just forgetting. Okay? And, um, and 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 memory, memory is actually has actually become big business. We do an awful lot, we expend an awful lot of energy and we, we apply an awful lot of our resources towards the enterprise of remembering things, right? You know, our, it, was, it was day timers that we would, we would buy and we'd write, at least I would write in for like two weeks and then forget about them all together, okay? Um, and then, you know, we moved on to like the Palm Pilot, remember those? Um, those of you old enough. Well, now it's just like sort of built into our phone, this, this remembering, this device that's supposed to remember for me because I know I'm going to forget if you're like me, you've used that excuse before, you know, my phone forgot to tell me, I'm sorry, I missed the meeting, my, for- my phone forgot to tell me I was supposed to be there. Um, so we, we've, we invest a lot of energy in remembering, um, and then at the same time, we invest a lot of time and energy in, different, in, in a different kind of remembering, in remembering things that we, like, we want to hold on to, things that we want to remember, you know, we, we pay photographers Large sums of money to record ceremonies for us. We we invest ourselves in equipment so that we can take pictures of like our child's recital where you can hardly see them and every time you show it to the, the extended family, you have to kinda of follow the screen like, oh they're right there, right there. You know, but we we invest all of this in in remembering. And one of the things I wanted to do this morning, just to, to start, was I actually have some show and tell. Okay. And I have a few things that, um, and they really, this was a pretty quick, just, just kind of snatch and grab from, from home. Things that I have in my home today that serve no other purpose, like they, there is no functionality to any of these things that I, that I can honestly claim other than they, they help me to remember things, okay? And so the first one, this is a little embarrassing, and my friend Johnny in the back is really going to appreciate this extra. You got one of these in your house? Okay. This is a letterman's jacket from Keswick Christian School. Okay. Um, I'm not even going to try and put it on. Okay. This helps because this helps me remember when I had a little less of this, a little more of this, right? Like, But we, we sort of keep these things and, and, again, it, it doesn't keep me warm any longer. It sits in a closet in the very back corner of the closet. But it's there, and it just sort of serves the purpose of a, a memory. Like, there's, there's memories attached to it and people. And so, so I have my, my Letterman's jacket. Okay? Um, another thing that I brought today, this also is slightly embarrassing. Um, I'm not responsible for creating this, um, and I'm only slightly embarrassed that I have this, um, but this was, is actually a quilt that my mother made for me. So, Mom, if you're listening now, it's time for you to shut the volume down. This is a quilt that Mom made for me of all, like, not all, not all of them, but she kept all of my Little League baseball uniforms. I know, isn't that sweet? And then as, you know, a 30-something-year-old man, she made this for me and wrapped it up and gave it to me on, at Christmas and quite frankly, like, this, is, this was a nice Christmas gift. Like, it, it means something to me. This represents years and years of something that I invested a, a huge portion of my youth in. And so I've got this, you know, would this really be a memory blanket? Okay, like complete with, you know, dirt stains and the whole nine yards from all these teams that, that, that I got to play on. And so I've got that. Um. I actually have, this is really, you know those like really cheesy beach stores, okay? When you go to the beach and there are like waves and those kinds of places. I actually have a little Jeep. I know. Uh, A little Jeep from one of those stores, but this this is actually a special one and you can't see it, but the surfboard on top of this says Hawaii, okay? This is actually when my wife and I, on one of our anniversaries, we went to Hawaii and you know, we've got pictures and those kinds of things. But for whatever reason, we bought this Jeep. We actually bought this Jeep and gave it to our, like, three-year-old son, and he cared nothing about it. So it meant more to me than it did to him. And so when he was, like, it was, I, think, I think at several points in time, this Jeep was, like, in the pile of things to, like, send to the, to the Goodwill or whatever, and I, I grabbed it every time and kept it, and it sits, like, on my bookshelf. Okay? But this Jeep reminds me of a really special time in our marriage. Okay there was a lot of there was more than just a trip like it was a trip that we did together at a specific point in time um, we were coming out of some grief in our marriage and this trip meant a lot to me and so this jeep okay this jeep means a lot to me um sorry just a couple more this is a lego if you've ever been to our house this is legos are a problem in our house okay but this is a lego this is a very special lego to me this is a lego that is a model of very <laughs> I mean, very much scaled down. But of the John Hancock Center, it's called something else now, but it's, it's, it's one of the, the skyscrapers in Chicago, and it's not just any tall building in Chicago. Um, but um, many years ago, okay, to be precise, 18 years ago, um, I took then Christy Edmonds to the top of the, the actual John Hancock Tower, and I proposed marriage, okay? And so... Um, at, at one point in time, I realized, I noticed Lego was making these models of the John Hancock Tower, and so I bought one, and we put it together, and it sits there. And it's another. It's again, I, I don't play with it. I'm not ashamed to admit that at times I do play with Legos, but this is these are not. This is not a Lego that I play with. It's just it's just a totem. I mean, it's just a reminder to me of of a time that's meaningful. Okay, and and. Last one here, and this one, is, uh, this one crosses over a little bit because um, this is, this, these are, there are photographs associated with this, but this is a particular photo album. Um, those of you who know us uh, would know, like, uh, about a year ago, my father died, and my mother, you know, has, 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 has struggled with this, and as you would expect, uh, my dad died fairly uh, unexpectedly. Um, but my mom has spent all this time going back through pictures and she made photo albums for each of the kids that, that to, are, are photos that are unique to our relationship with dad. And so there's a lot of pictures in here that mean a lot to me. It's more than, I mean, we have scrapbooks in our home. Scrapbooks plenty, right? We have photo albums in our home, lots of photo albums. But this little photo album that, that financially didn't cost a lot this is a really valuable thing to me. It, it, it's attached to memory. Okay? And I don't even have to open it and look at the individual pictures to feel those memories. Okay? And, and this whole idea of, of remembering, it's not, it's not foreign to us culturally at all. Okay? Um, most of us that are married, actually, if you look down at your left hand, you probably have a token of memory there. I don't have mine, <laughs> um, it, it, it's, uh, it's at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean somewhere, um, but, but we wear them and the point, the point on that is, that's another sinking feeling by the way, standing, <laughs> standing in the, you know, so you're standing like waist deep in the Atlantic Ocean, looking out at your wife and your eyes are this big and she, I don't know, she thinks it's a shark attack and it, a shark attack probably would have been better that day. But... <laughs> But we wear those rings for not just because they remind us of a really nice day where we dressed up and spent a lot of money and, and, we, and we set our vows, but, but they, really, they really remind us of, a, of, a pr- of promises that we made, like a, a, a covenant relationship that we entered into. And the ring is there to help us say, don't forget that, remember that, okay? And we make those vows that, that hopefully we associate with that ring, okay? Well, today, what we want to do is we've been looking at the book of Joshua, right? We've spent some time in the book of Joshua, and in chapter 4, if you haven't turned there yet, this is my warning, we're going to be there in just a minute or two, Um, but in chapter 4, we get this kind of, it's a little bit of an unusual story. It it, it feels almost parenthetical between you've got this miraculous parting or stopping of the flow of the River Jordan that, that we talked about last week. And then in, in just another chapter or so, the walls of Jericho are going to come down. And this story is kind of, kind of in between. But I would, I would assert that, that, that Joshua 4, it's not just a, a story. Of, I mean, it's about remembering. But it tells us that in a, the fallen world that we live in, one of the effects of sin on us is that our memories, they're incomplete. Right? Our memories, we know this. Our memories are faulty. And so what Joshua 4 is going to tell us, and what we're going to unpack for a little while here is, is what do we do about the brokenness as it applies to our ability or inability to remember what's important? And in Joshua 4, you're going to see the Lord directing them to do something important. And again, at first blush, it might seem like a, a silly thing or a trivial thing, but I think that our trivializing of it has more to say about us than it has to say about the passage. So let's take a look at Joshua chapter 4, and as being a narrative here, I'm just going to read through it. It's not too long, but I want to read through the story and just get a feel for what went on here. So if you look at Joshua 4 with me in, in verse 1, remember that in, um, in chapter 3, they had the, the, the flow of the River Jordan had been stopped miraculously by God. He had stopped the river, the, the riverbed had dried up completely so they could pass, pass through the Jordan as a nation. So verse, chapter four, verse one says, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan from right where the priest stood and to carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told them had told Joshua, and they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. Joshua set up the twelve stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at a spot where the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. Now the priests who carried the Ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. The people hurried over, and as, as soon as all of them had crossed The ark of the Lord and the priests came to the other side while the people watched. The men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over, armed in front of the Israelites as Moses had directed them. About 40,000 armed for battle crossed before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. That day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they revered him all the days of his life just as they had revered Moses. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests carrying the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, come up out of the Jordan. And the priests came up out of the river, carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. No sooner had they set feet on the dry ground that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites in the future when your descendants ask their fathers, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the, land of the, Lord, or the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. So, so there's this sort of consummation of the miracle, right? We, we, we had heard last week, but just to remind you, they, they had carried the Ark of the Covenant, this, this box weighing hundreds, maybe possibly thousands of pounds that they, the, the Levites would carry on their, on their shoulders with the, the, um, the staves through it. And they, they carried it into the Jordan, and when they set foot in the Jordan, the river stopped, the ground became dry. Now, they're, as they're standing there, and again, one of the things about this, it, it's, it's miraculous that the, that the river, the, the flow of the river stopped, but it's also miraculous that these men were able to hold that ark there for all of this time that it takes all of this, this huge mass of people to cross the river. Now, can you imagine being one of them? And in the midst of that, here comes Joshua back, and he says, hey, by the way, hold on a little bit longer. We need to dr- drag some stones up out of the river. Okay. Um, there's no record of what they thought. I'm just guessing here, okay? But I'm going, oh, come on. You know what I mean? But, but they're, they're, so they're, they're holding the Ark. They, they've got the Ark there. And, and one member of each of the 12 tribes heads back down into the river. They gathered, obviously, large stones. They had to put them on their shoulder, and they carried them out of the river. And then as, as they finish that task, the, the priests leave the river with the Ark. And as soon as they step out, the river returns to its regular flow. Okay? And that is the miracle. The question is, what's with the stones? Okay? What's with the stones? Well, in order to understand this best, it, it's nice. It, it really gives us a billboard here and says, this is what the deal is with the stones. If we take a look back at, at the, the section at the end of that passage in verse 21, okay, in verse 21, it's, it actually says, you know, in 20, he sets up the 12 stones. And in verse 21, he, sa- he says to the Israelites, he says, look, in the future, when people ask, in the future, when people ask. Now, that's, a, that's an amazing preemptive strike, right? Like, it's anticipating the question. But there's, there's significance to this as well in the making of a memory, okay? And, and I just want to point out a few things here before we expand on this further. But the, the, the thing that's fascinating here is that there's an assumption, okay? There's an assumption that the story of the forefathers, the story of the ancestors, is a story that's worth asking. It's a story that's worth asking. And, it, and they had, a, they had a, not just a personal testimony of what God had done, but they had sort of a national narrative, like a, like a worldview narrative that told them, this is what God's done for you. And when people ask, be ready to capitalize. Set up the monument in order to prompt the question that you're then ready to answer. Okay? Right? there's an assumption on the part of, of, of Joshua given to him from the Lord that the building of the monument is not just for memorial's sake in and of itself, but it's actually for the purpose of, it's very intentional about, God's very intentional about, we set this up so that the narrative of what God has done for you doesn't get lost in the routine matters of history and daily life, and that, that this is a place that's going to be special because when you come across it, it's going to stir something in you, and questions will be asked. We have places like this culturally, right? If you've been to Ground Zero, if you've been to the, the you know, World Trade Center, the New Tower, there's monuments there that, that certainly stir questions, and those of us old enough to remember that day, we recall it. And as future generations ask, we want to tell them. Well, essentially, this is very similar culturally for them. Put this, erect this monument so that it stirs questions. As, it, I would just, as a point of end, there's, there's so many ways we could go with this, and I'm going to say this and kind of have to move on, but, but as, a, as a people of God, as a family, as, as a com- community of Christians here in this place, what are our monuments? What are the things that, what are the, what are the, the monuments that we've erected to say when the next generation asks, when your children ask, this is what you tell them. And we'll come back to this a little bit later, but, but we want to be thoughtful about the erecting of monuments, the erecting of, of memorials. Okay? So we'll say a little bit more about that. But, but, so that's verse 21. When, when people ask, okay? and what you, what you answer is this, here's what God has done. When people ask, here's what God has done. See, here's one of the things that's, that one of the errors we make in erecting monuments, we erect monuments to like our works, the works of our hands. Look what we have done. It's the same exact, honestly, it's the same exact temptation of Genesis 11 and the Tower of Babel, right? It wasn't necessarily evil that they were building something grand. It was, the problem was, we're going to do this. Look what we have done. Look how great and mighty we are. And what's clear about this here in Joshua chapter 4 is that the erecting of the memorial the erecting of the monument is not to promote the people. It's very clear this is what God has done. You didn't dry up the river, you didn't build a dam. God stopped the flow of the river, dried up the riverbed so you could pass by. Okay? This is critical. So when we again we begin to think about erecting memories, putting memories together, this is not about remembering what we have done. This is about remembering the hand of God in our lives. What has he done for us? And it goes on from there to say, the Lord dried up the Jordan River, and in verse 24, he did this, so the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. God does these things in our lives so that others know how powerful he is. But also, there at the end of verse 24, so that you might always fear the Lord your God. You see, the monument stands as a testimony to, to the currently unconvinced, to, the, to those who would say, I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure what, if, if who God is, if God exists. The monument stands as a place for us to tell about God, but it also stands as a place for us to recall our reverence for him. There's a, there's a personal devotional moment to, to the erecting of these monuments and their place in our life. And remember, remember, it's sin that has corrupted our minds. It's corrupted our memories. We need these because we forget. We need these because forgetfulness is true about us. And you see, in the ancient world, this is not just true of the Israelites, although it is very true of them, but in the ancient world, they had a very different view of memories from what we do they actually attached the, the idea of memories or, or remembering to an act of the will. It wasn't just like, you know, I'm going to throw all of my life's experiences up in the air and those I remember, I remember, and those I don't, I don't. It wasn't that they necessarily also said, see, we kind of have this, uh, you know, we have this sort of uh, seize the moment, seize the day type building of memories. Like, I need to go and do something epic so that I can build a memory to have down the road. That wasn't their view either. What they believed was that, that, that memory-making was a decision that we engage in. It was, a, it was a conscious choice of our will to determine these are the things that are, that are important. These are the things that are worth remembering. And so when they, when they erected monuments, particularly the Israelites, when they erected monuments, it was almost always tied to something that they already deemed to be important, and they would say moving forward, we, we cannot afford to forget this. Okay? We, cannot, we can't afford it. And so we can see this throughout the Hebrew Bible. And actually, the book of Deuteronomy, which would have been the primary, remember, the book of Deuteronomy would have been written maybe just, this law would have been written maybe just months before the occurrence here at the Jordan River, before they entered the promised land. But in the book of Deuteronomy, this is like the operating narrative. So look at, this is Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9, says, Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb when he said to me, assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. You see this idea it was of of memory was attached to obedience. We remember so that we can obey. It goes on in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and this is wedged between Deuteronomy chapter four and chapter five, there's our chapter six is chapter five. It's actually a retelling of the, the the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy chapter five, the Decalogue. And so it's it's retold there before they enter the promised land. And in Deuteronomy chapter six, it's kind of like Deuteronomy chapter six would be to to the Israelite what John chapter three is to us, right? Like like for God so loved the world he gave his only son. To them Deuteronomy chapter six was that section of scripture. It says things like, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. and You will love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. That's quoted repeatedly even in the New Testament. This was the operating identity for the people. And here in Deuteronomy chapter 6 says, Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. They were working with like a cultural religious narrative. And that narrative was that you were slaves, but God made you free. Don't forget it. Don't forget. And so when they enter the promised land, there's this emphasis in their minds on remembering. Do everything you can to remember. And so the the, the erection of the the monument in, there in, in Gilgal in, in Joshua chapter four. There's literally hundreds of these sections. I'm remembering. But just, I'm just going to show you a few of them. In Psalm 111. Psalm 111. It says he caused, I can't read out there the wonders. Sorry, he caused the wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. One of the things that's, that's fascinating too is as as the idea or the, the the concept of memory is built in the Old Testament. There's a contrast that's made between God's memory. And man's, God remembers, God has promised you, will you remember him? Remember, remember, if you recall, this is not just simply about what you happen to recall. This isn't just, oops, it slipped my mind. This is, are you willing to engage your will in the activity of consciously focusing your attention on what God has done for you? This is, this is an engagement of the will. God has engaged his will with you. He chose you from among the people, not because you were so mighty, but because you were so small. And he made something great out of you by his sovereign choice. Now, will you remember him? Will you remember him? It became the operating narrative for the people. And by the way, it is the operating narrative for for those who are still religiously jewish today god promised us a place a land a home the question being asked is will god be faithful to that promise okay the question remains the question remains and so even as you move we you move forward through the through the this the Israelites' narrative, you get to the time of the prophets where the people had forgotten. They'd turned their back on God. And then as things got dire, as invaders came in and they started to be, to be cast out of the land, you see things like, like in the book of Isaiah where it just says, you have forgotten God your Savior. You've not remembered the rock, your fortress. This is what they were guilty of. Yes, there were, there were foreign gods, there was idolatry, there were, there were the practices of the pagans around them had entered into the land, but it was boiled down into a summation statement that says, you have forgotten God. I took the time to do this so you wouldn't have to. It's about 400 times, about 400 times in the Old Testament, we are encouraged, or they were encouraged, they were told, do not forget the Lord. He has not forgotten you. He will be faithful to his promise. Will you do the same? It was the operating narrative for these people. It's, it's the, these were the questions that they shaped their lives around. Has God forgotten us? Jeremiah says, for the sake of your name, do not despise us. This is the funny thing. They even started to like, call upon God's memory. For the sake of your name, do not despise us. Do not dishonor your glorious throne. Remember your covenant with us. Don't break it. You see, th- th- there was even an understanding of this issue in such a way that, that the people of Israel, when times got at their absolute worst and they were taken into exile, their appeal to God was not, they didn't appeal, this is, they didn't appeal with repentance. They appealed with, hey, wait a minute, you made us a promise. Okay? And there's a complex dialogue that takes place there, and God says, "No, no, I'll be faithful to the promise, but you're not. You, those who forgot, who have forgotten, are not going to be the benefactors of it. You're not going to benefit from it. Okay, and so this issue of memory and remembering is throughout the scriptures. We even see in the New Testament at the end of all things, um, as in the warnings to the seven churches, the the the, the the seven churches. church, uh, one, uh, John hears this, the word from the Lord. It says, remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold fast to it and repent. Remember what you've received from God. This idea of remembering, it's not just a, it's not just a one-time thing here in Joshua. It's not just an Old Testament concept. It's, it's, a, it's a past. It's a present. It's a future. Okay. That at the, at the end of all things, the, the issue of have you remembered God? Have you consciously placed him... In, a, in an area of focus in your life, it, it's, it is a central issue to our lives. And so we see these two questions. One is, the first question is this. Have, have, will, God, will God remember or be faithful to his promises? That's a significant question. And I put it up there just to say, it's a primary question for us. God, has, God makes promises. He is a God of a covenant. He's a God who says that I, I haven't forgotten you. Nothing can separate you from me. Will he be faithful to those promises? And that's, it is a primary question, but it's not the primary question of Joshua 4. So I really want to look at a second question. And the second question is this what are we doing, or what are you doing to remember the Lord? Okay? What are you doing to, what are we, how far are we willing to take this so that we don't forget? Because remember, the issue of forgetting the Lord is an issue of great seriousness. Okay? It is, it's forgetting the Lord, it's refusing to engage ourselves with Him that, that leads to the drift that pulls us further and further from Him until a relationship with Him is of no consequence in our lives. So there's no benefit from His promise, there's no relationship with Him, we're on our own. Okay? And so this question of, what are we doing to remember the Lord? Because for, if forgetting is bad, if forgetting ultimately harms us, then we'd better be sure that one of the primary issues, one of the things that you can, you can bet on is that Satan is going to do everything he can to tempt us to forget, to tempt us to rem- to not remember. Okay, And if there's anything that we know about Satan, if there's anything we know about spiritual warfare, if there's anything we know about the world, the flesh, and the devil, it's that there's no rules of this game that are fair, right? It's not like, it's not like th- there's, there's a set of operating parameters that, that Satan plays by where he, he, he allows us to get ready for the battle. He's, the, he's a master of attacking in our weakness. And so what I'd like to do is we just kind of wrap up some thoughts here. What I'd like to do is just look at, at three potential ways that we get attacked on our memory. And then, I mean, good things come in threes, right? Like the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, but, but then three things that we can do. How do we combat this? Okay, How do we combat this? And so the first thing is this. I think one of the first dangers that we have is trivializing memory itself. We trivialize memory itself. And at a... At a point in time where we have so many resources available to us, so many ways to not have to remember, right? We have the world at our fingertips with our, our, our data-enabled phones that we just have sort of made memory out to be like, like a peripheral issue. And we sort of say, I remember what I'll remember, and I'll forget what I'll forget, and quite frankly, you're just going to have to forgive me for forgetting what I forget. Right? Right? And, and we probably don't say it so brazenly, but we've trivialized memory and the issue of memory, reducing it to a place of just like, well, it's just, it's just an accident of biochemistry. What you remember, you remember, and what you forget, you forget. And there's nothing you can really do about it. And I would say to you that, that that's not, not only is that just sort of in, sort of incorrect, it's, it's anti-biblical, The biblical message, hundreds of times, to us as as people who take God seriously is this. Don't forget what he's done for you. Remember. Engage. Okay? We we ought not to be guilty of trivializing memory itself. A second idea would be this, is that we, we fill our memories with the trivial. Okay? Like, perhaps we've We've crowded our minds with things that just aren't so important that we don't have a lot of room left in with our fallen memories, with our limited memories. we don't have a lot of room left for things that are of, of greater import and look i'm I'm guilty here. I love my stories on TV, okay but at the end of the day, is it really all that important like who has the iron throne or whatever? That's one story I'm not in on, but whatever. But you get the idea. Is it really important who's on that throne or is it important who's on the throne of heaven? Right? Now, that's not to say that we don't get diversions. I'm not, talking about, I'm not saying that entertainment has no purpose in our lives, but what I am saying is this. We can so position our lives, we can put ourselves into a spot where we, we dwell, what we dwell on with our minds is really just trivial stuff. And when we have a spare moment, an area of of spiritual attack for us is to turn our spare moments to to trivial things. And I think one of the things that the scriptures would tell us is that, no, 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 there's no such thing as a spare moment. Even in, in your spare moments, in your entertainment, be purposeful there too. But you've got to take up the task. We've got to take up the task of remembering the Lord. Turn spare moments into purposeful attempts to recall what he's done for us. Establish monuments. We'll say more about that in just a minute to wrap up. But, but let's, not, let's not occupy our minds with just the trivial. And then the last thing would be, and this is, I think this is, a very, this is very poignant for us at the, the point in history that we live, all three of these, is that we focus our memory on the Negative. We focus our memory on the negative. Forgetting what the good that God has done, we get so absorbed in the trouble of the day. We get so wrapped up in the times that we wanted something from God that he didn't give us what we wanted, that we forget all of the times that he gave us far more than we ever could have asked for in the first place. And it's why the making of memorials, the making of memories, in the midst of the activity is an important idea. Because if you're anything like me, I can quickly forget the ways that God has provided for my needs. And I can really dwell on the hundred different ways that I've screwed things up and my needs aren't met because of the, the, the sin in my own life. And yet somehow I managed to blame all that on God. And my my thought for us this morning would be not just, we've got to take memory seriously and we have to, to take serious things and put them in our memory. But even in the midst of that, we, we neglect or we forget the goodness of God to our own destruction. Paul in the book of Romans says it's, it's God's goodness that brings us to repentance. It's the good that he's done that, that prompts us to turn back to him. It's the, it's the good things that he's done that make it so that we can survive the periods of time in our faith that are, where he's silent. When we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Because we know the shepherd, he's, he's guided us safely so frequently. That in our present circumstance, in the present silence, in the present darkness, we have a God who has shown himself to be faithful time and time again. Okay. And so, in these, I think in these three ways, these are three ways just for us here at the early portion of the twenty first century, where this issue of memory gets it's, it's under attack, and what we remember, and 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 the issue of of making memories. So let's again, let's look at. So what do we do? Well, number one, I think we memorialize. Okay, I mean, I don't want to get too weird about this, but but and I do get weird about it when when people start to memorialize. I often get sort of uneasy or uncomfortable? Well, some of the same things I worried about earlier, like is this just, is this just uh, you know, us uh, puffing ourselves up and promoting ourselves? But notice, again, there's a way to do this. And a couple, couple things to say about, the, go back to Joshua 4 for a second in our minds. It's, I'm fascinated by, by the when the memorializing took place. They didn't, I didn't come to Joshua and say, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you for about six weeks. I want you to plan a feast, okay? And in in six weeks from now, I want you to play these songs. And I want you, he didn't say that. What he said was, while while the ark was still in the river, in the midst of the miraculous provision of God, the Lord told Joshua, go get the stones. You send them in to get the stones, and I would say this to, to those of us here who, we, you're like me, you tend to forget the good things that God has done. One of the first things I would say is stop in the middle of it. How often do we, do we look back so much later at the way God provided or how he walked us through something that in the, in the moment we didn't have eyes to see it because we weren't looking for him? Stop in the middle of God's provision and thank Him. It's why things that we've turned into routine—maybe they ought not to be so routine—are thanking God for our food, are gathering together on a weekly basis. Don't neglect these things. These are points in time in the present tense where we could stop and say, in the immediate, God, thank you for what you've done. God, thank you. I don't want to forget this. Take a, and a part of memorializing. Take a token. Take a token. I didn't have it at home, so I couldn't grab it. But I actually have a smooth stone from Lake Michigan. Okay, it's a small one. It didn't have to go on my shoulder. But it's a smooth stone from Lake Michigan. I, my, my friend uh, and I were uh, we we were on the shores of Lake Michigan skipping stones, and our skipping stones. This was in our college days. Our skipping stones turned into a very significant conversation about the future of our lives and how much of our life we were going to give to God. And we sort of committed to one another that day that it was the whole thing or nothing at all. And each of us took one of those smooth stones and my stone sits on my desk at school. So I I can remember. Okay, I don't know if he still has his. (laughs) I think he does. But I don't know if he still has his, but I've got mine. And that stone means an awful lot to me. Oh, it's not worth, I couldn't sell it for a penny. But it means the world to me. It's a reminder of the commitment that I made to the Lord. I won't forget you. I won't forget you when, when, when times are, are lean, when, when we're struggling. I won't forget this commitment. Memorialize in the moment. Okay? <clears throat> the second thing I would say, and this is really taboo for us, right? <laughs> but memorize. Okay? Okay? If you're not, if you're not sort of, um, if you grew up like I did in the midst of sort of, you know, the, the the church and vacation Bible school and all of those things, you may have like, you may have some some fallout from the Bible memory work. But let me tell you this. In the midst of some things that were pretty goofy, one of the things that we've lost sight of is the importance of of hiding God's word in our hearts, knowing what it is that he says, focusing on it. Oh, we can, you know, I can can give you fantasy baseball numbers from this season. I've got those stuck in my memory. But I've applied, in, in my recent past, I've applied very little energy to focusing on what it is that God has done. How can we remember what God has done what God says, if we don't pay attention to it. We've done that around here. We spent time here in Philippians 2, if, if you've been with us long enough for that. Do this. Invite someone in your cell group to do it with you, to hold you accountable. I know people put verses up on their mirror in the morning. I've, I've, you've told me those stories. Contin- those who are doing it, continue. Those of us who are not, we need, to, we need to step up in this way. We need to hear God's voice. So Memorize. And then the last thing is this, sing praise. Sing praise. I don't know if you, you know, sometimes we sleepwalk through that first portion. I don't know how you could around here, but, but sometimes we sleepwalk through an invitation to bring glory to God with our song. And one of the, one of the things that, that's a mechanism for us to remembering is, is singing back to him, a recognition of how much he loves us how he has given us, he's promised us things, and he's going to be faithful to those promises, and we acknowledge that. And we live in it, we dwell in it, we live as if the promise is already fulfilled. That's part of saying those words to God. And so we ought to do it. The place in Scripture where um, you see these memories, the, the language of remembrance more often than anywhere else is in the Psalms. The songs of the people of Israel, and I actually want to read a psalm. It's not in the book of; it is in the book of Psalms, a different sort of a different version of it. But I want to close today. I'm just going to close as if this is our prayer, okay? And it's from First Chronicles 16. We don't think we read here too often, but this is First Chronicles 16. <clears throat> and this is this is David, the king, who is. Um, he writes this song of thanks. So I'm going to read this to close us today. And I'll thank the Lord with an amen at the end. And then we're done. Okay? First Chronicles 16, it starts at verse 8. Give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders He has done, His miracles, and the judgments He pronounced. O descendants of Israel, His servants, O sons of Jacob, His chosen one, He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers His covenant forever, the word He commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant He made with Abraham, the oath He swore to Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob as a decree, to Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion you will inherit. When you were but few in number, few indeed, and strangers in it, they wandered from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another. He allowed no man to oppress them, for, for their sake he rebuked kings. Do not touch my anointed one, do my prophets no harm. Sing to the Lord all the earth, proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, how marvelous deeds his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord. And most worthy of praise, he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him, strength and joy in his dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory do his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. The world is firmly established, it cannot be moved. Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Then the trees of the forest will sing. They will sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Cry out, save us, O God, our Savior. Gather us and deliver us from the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name, that we may glory in your praise. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Then all the people said, Amen, and praised the Lord.